The Productive Woman, Episode 35. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Once again, thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, we'll be talking about some productivity rules that don't work. You'll find links and a a summary of the, the kind of the high points and some additional information in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 35. This episode is brought to you by Doodle, an online service that simplifies scheduling meetings of two or more people. Check out Doodle's great features by visiting theproductivewoman.com slash doodle. And I'll share a little bit more about the service later on in the show. But for now, I want to talk about productivity rules. Now, productivity has been the subject of decades of study and probably millions of written and spoken words. A whole industry has built up around productivity. I mean, there are even podcasts about it. Um, All that study has led to the development of many rules or principles that the productivity experts teach as the keys to maximizing our productivity and, as David Allen puts it, getting things done. Now, while in theory these rules may be good and helpful and uh, even I recommend them, We have to admit that sometimes, for some people, in some situations, they simply don't work. So we're going to look at 10 of those productivity rules that we have talked about, we read about, uh, that sometimes aren't going to work for us, and maybe some suggestions about alternative approaches that will get around that problem for us. So let's get right into it. The first one, number one rule that doesn't work, and this is actually the one that started me thinking about this concept is the rule I read over and over, check email only twice a day. Now, every time I read this advice from a productivity expert or read it on a blog or hear somebody talk about it, what I think is, oh, I only wish. Now, for me, in my life, my day to, my day job as a lawyer, it simply won't work for me on most days to say I'm only going to check email once in the morning and once in the afternoon. Frankly, much of what I do is under incredible time pressures and clients and the other parties and their counsel often need quick, if not immediate answers from me on issues that arise on the deals that I'm working on. I'm, I'm not a trial lawyer. I do transactions. And especially when a closing is underway and there are last minute crises that need to be attended to. And I promise you, there are always last minute crises to be attended to, no matter how hard I try to get out in front of things and and plan and prepare for the closing. Uh, there, There are always these things that come up. And so I almost never have the option during my workday to just turn off my email and be unavailable for long stretches of time. And I know there are other people that have a similar situation. It's a great piece of advice because email, while it is such a great 
um, facilitator of communication, simplifies things. It's certainly faster to send an email and respond to an email than to do a phone call or something. There's, There's great things about email, but it also can be intrusive. If you're getting, as I do on some days, hundreds of emails in a day, and that, that, you know, your computer is dinging at you or they're popping up on your screen, they are distracting you if you are responding to them immediately. So what can I do? What can somebody in a situation like me do if they can't follow that great rule of, you know, check the email at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. or whatever? There are a number of options that I've thought about and things that I actually do. One of them is I can sometimes do the opposite. That is, be available by email and monitoring it most of the day, but leave it behind for certain set periods of time to focus on a task that needs concentration. And then, you know, take breaks from that task to check the email, see if there's anything urgent that needs an immediate response. So where the rule is more like you're unavailable, you're not checking email, you're turning it off most of the day, and you set aside a half hour in the morning and a half hour in the afternoon. Again, great idea if you can do that, uh, and I recommend it. But if you can't, maybe the alternative is to set aside, you know, a half hour here and there or an hour if you can get it or whatever you you can when you turn off email or or put it aside and focus and the rest of the day you you're watching it and monitoring it as you need to. I have turned off most of the visible alerts on my email accounts both on my computers and on my you know my iThingies, my iPhone and and tablets. So I don't have things popping up on the screen while I'm working. Much of what I do, probably half, if not more than half of of my time is spent working on the computer, either drafting documents or reviewing them. And to have those visible alerts pop up uh, is very distracting. So I've turned those off. I also have the volume on my computer turned pretty low to minimize the disruption of the audible alerts, you know, the little ding that comes in when an email arrives. I'm actually considering turning the the audible alerts off entirely, and I have done that uh, for most of the alerts on my iPhone and all the alerts on my iPad, so that if I'm working on one of those devices, the emails are not going to pop up and they're not going to ding at me. They're not going to, you know, pop up on the screen with limited exceptions for people that I've identified as VIPs, which I'll talk about in just a minute. Um, when I really need to focus, I will minimize the email window. I, I don't turn it off, uh, but I'll, you know, close that, close that window down so it's not on the screen and just set a reminder to check it every 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever's necessary for what's going on that day. Now, I do that when I can. I can't do it when I'm in the middle of a closing because, uh, you know, there are things coming in that need immediate responses and I've got to be watching for them. There are, a, a, another alternative is if you work on your, on uh, mobile devices a lot, uh, it, or on computers, I think it, it, in some cases, there are apps that will allow you to turn off all alerts except from people you've identified as VIPs or something like that. One of those programs is something called SaneBox, and I've heard about this a lot. 
uh, due to security reasons, I can't load these on my office computer, but I am considering trying SaneBox or something like that out on my mobile devices. So if you've used SaneBox or another app like it, I'd love to hear how it worked out for you. And I'll have a link for uh, the SaneBox um, app in the show notes for this. Again, that's at theproductivewoman.com slash 35 for episode 35. Um, But basically it lets you identify certain people as VIPs. And if you get an email from them, it it's there and it, you know, it will alert you if um, anybody else, it gets kind of put to the side and you don't see it until you go look for it or something like that. I think that's how SaneBox works. Um, so that's something to consider. And I would say that in episode 224 of their podcast, Mac Power Users, David Sparks and Katie Floyd looked at the whole issue of email in great depth, and they suggest a number of tools and tips to help us manage that flood of emails. So if email is an issue for you and this rule of only checking your email twice a day is not a possibility, I encourage you to check out uh, episode 224 of Mac Power Users and see what some of their great suggestions are. And I will have a link to that episode in the show notes. So that's rule number one and probably one of my biggest pet peeves when I listen to other uh, people talk about um, how to be productive and what the rules are. Rule number two is one that was suggested by a listener. I have put out, you've heard me, if you've listened to previous episodes, I've invited people to share what what the rules are that don't work for them. And I uh, got one from Karen Beery, and you might remember her from a previous episode. She was a guest on the show. And, and she sent me a message on Google Plus and said this. She says, a daily schedule does not work for me. I can't work at the same time every day. I do much better planning a week at a time. And so, you know, the, the rule, the productivity rule is to have a plan for your day and work the plan and kind of schedule out what, what tasks are going to be done, when, and that sort of thing. But for somebody who, uh, like Karen, is dealing with a chronic illness or somebody who's deal, uh, got ha, has a new baby to care for, or an adult for whom you're the caregiver, or you know any number of other things where maybe you you don't have as much control over your schedule, and you might not be able to plan your days with with any reliability. If you have a job where you're on call and have to drop what you're doing and go out and attend to you know your job or something like that, same kind of situation. You might have a schedule for the day. And it goes, you know, down the proverbial toilet when the baby has colic or, or whatever the situation. So maybe the alternative is to sort of do what Karen uh, kind of suggests that she does, and that's to have a, a plan for the week. Have maybe a list of your your priority tasks that you want to accomplish during that week and keep that list where you can see it and then work on them uh, you know, knocking those tasks out as you have time and energy to do them. Some of this really has to do with 
having realistic expectations for the stage of life you're in. And we've talked about that on previous episodes, about how important it is not to measure your life or your success in being productive or, or anything else for that matter by, uh, by somebody else's standard, but being realistic about the, the phase and the stage of life that you're in and what you can actually accomplish during this, given, given the other things going on in your life. There was, on this point, some, some helpful advice in an article that I read. It's called The Top Five New Rules of Productivity uh, from the Chief Happiness Officer blog. And there'll be a link for this in the show notes as well. And there were a couple of things that uh, the author, Alexander, I, I don't know, Kjerulf, K-J-E-R-U-L-F, um, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, he had a couple of really good suggestions, two in particular that I thought were, were worth mentioning. He says, don't make project plans based only on your maximum productivity days. Not every day will be like that. Base your schedules on your average productivity. So it's not, you're not always going to be able to be firing on all cylinders and, and get everything uh, done as much as you do on your best days. So plan realistically. And he also says this, don't beat yourself up on the low productivity days. It's normal. It's part of the flow. And those days have value too. He goes on to say, I like to think that on these days, my subconscious mind is working on some really hairy, complicated problem for which the solution will suddenly appear fully formed in my mind. And I thought that was really a great um, perspective to take on that. If you are one of those that your days, whether it's illness or a baby or, you know, whatever the situation is, that you're not getting as much done as you would have liked, to realize that that's part of the cycle of life. It's part of that flow, as he puts it. And the, and his his comment that those days have value, too is is really worth pondering and really worth thinking about. So rule number two that doesn't work for some people is having a schedule for each day. Rule number three, identify your peak, peak times for energy and productivity and schedule your most important tasks for those times. Now, again, this is great advice. Knowing your, your physical cycles and your, your, you know, when you're most mentally alert and when you have the most energy and scheduling your most important things for those times, that's great advice. But some of us have jobs or family obligations or, or things like that that require us to work at certain times regardless of what our biological clock would prefer. You know, so if you're most creative in the mornings, and thus you should, according to the rule, work on your, your novel or whatever, you know, your art project in the mornings, but you have a job that starts early or children who need your attention in the morning, then you're not necessarily going to be able to accommodate your, you know, your body rhythms and you're going to have to do the work when the time is available for you to do the work. So you know, make the adjustments where you can. But honestly, I mean, sometimes you, we, we just have to gut it out and do what has to be done. There are things we can do if, you know, if you're dragging and you have an important task to do, but you're falling asleep at your desk or whatever, 
you know, there are a few things you can do to kind of boost your energy again. Drink some water. Have a, a small energy-boosting snack, not a big meal, because that'll make us, you know, that does things to our body and makes us drag even more. Take a quick rock walk around the block, or if you can't go outside, just around the floor. Some fresh air or five minutes of exercise can help perk us up. And sometimes, if you can do it, a change of scenery. If I, I have been known, if I'm in the afternoon and I'm working on something that needs focus, but I'm falling asleep or whatever, to take the documents that I'm working on or whatever and move to a different location, leave my desk and go sit at the ch- uh, on at the table in another part of my office, or go out and sit in a chair in the. We have some little nooks in the office and sit out there. Just sometimes the change of scenery can help boost your energy and get you motivated and working again. So that was rule number three that doesn't work. Rule number four comes again from a listener and a previous guest on The Productive Woman, Jamie Samples. And she says this, she sent me an email and she said, a business coach told me to do everything online, lists, calendars, and other stuff. Uh, And she says the calendar is a win, but using an online checklist or to-do list just does not work for me. I need to write it out and have the joy of physically crossing it off. And so, you know, the rule these days in the 21st century is, oh, digital is best, do everything online. And there are lots of good reasons to do that. And frankly, I'm a, I'm a digital girl. I like my, my tech and my tools. And I like having, you know, my, my to-do list that syncs across devices and all of that. But it doesn't always work for everybody. And, and it doesn't always work for me. Sometimes when I'm plowed under, and, and I've talked about this before, I, I need to get my to-do list off. I put my devices away and I take out a legal pad or a piece of paper and just make my list, dump everything that's bugging me that needs to get done onto the list and just start then plowing through and crossing things off. It's really, this is about knowing yourself, what works for you, what doesn't. I think it's a good idea to try something new from time to time and to give it a fair shot, you know, try try it out and a, a new tool or a new system or a new process. But, but honestly, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If you're, uh, you know, everybody's telling you, you should go digital and work online, but your, you know, your notebook or whatever is working for you and you're getting your stuff done. Yay. Then that's Okay. You know, we work the way that works for us best. Um, I I always say, or I, I try to say, you know, we should favor the simplest tool or system that gets the job done, whatever that might be. And we talked about that on a previous episode as well, that, you know, start with the simplest thing, the analog thing. And if it's not, and if it works for you, great. But if you're starting to feel like things are getting out of control, then take a step back and at that point consider alternatives and other tools or systems that might work for you. So digital, I love my digital, I love my tech, but it's not always best. It doesn't always work for everybody. Rule number five of the 10 rules, uh, productivity rules that don't work. Get up at 5 a.m. and get a head start on your day. Okay, again, Great idea to start before, you know, start out the morning early and jump right into things. And sometimes getting up early means you have undisturbed time to work. 
But but obviously, if you're on the night shift, whether for work or because you have a new baby or whatever, this is not going to work for you to get up at 5 a.m. And and frankly, for, for a long time, I got up at that time, but I still, I couldn't really get any important work done because I had a very long commute. So the morning was about, you know, do a really quick workout, shower, wolf down a bowl of cereal, and then drive for an hour to get to the office. So yes, I was getting up at 5 a.m., but that was not productive time in the sense of getting a lot of stuff done. And it was frustrating to me when people would say, oh, you should have this routine for your morning and do all these things and get all this stuff done. Sometimes it doesn't work because of what your life is like. An alternative is to use some of the evening before to prepare for the day. You can still get a jump on things if you have, uh, you know, simplified your morning routine and done what you can the evening before to get things started and set up so that when you are ready to start work, whether it's your job or your, you know, your creative project or whatever else you have planned, uh, you, you can get get right into it because you've cleared the decks for it and set yourself up to be successful. But that that's that rule doesn't always work for everybody. And the next r- rule, um, rule number six, is kind of related to it. Um, and that is start your day with quiet meditation and and you know, a cup of tea or whatever. I hear this a lot from productivity experts who work from home. It doesn't always work for those of of us who have to be in an office somewhere else. And it certainly doesn't work always for those of us who have young children in our homes that uh, wake up before we do, no matter how early we get up. Um, So if, if you have early morning demands, other people around who need your attention the first thing, uh, this this idea of starting the morning first thing with meditation or you know scripture reading or those sorts of things might not work. It's great advice. It's a really nice way to set up your day to be calm and productive, but it simply might not work for you. You can still make the morning more peaceful and productive, again, by preparing the day before, and maybe developing small rituals that help nourish a sense of calm in the morning or as your day is beginning. Uh, another one related to the starting of the day. This one comes from a listener, Jill. And Jill, you're going to kill me because I realize we are Facebook friends, but I've never heard your name pronounced. Jill Kemmerer, I think. Um, Forgive me if I got that wrong, but Jill suggested this on Facebook, uh, and this is the rule, and she said this, here's one rule that never works for me. Do the hardest task on your list first thing in the morning. And she goes on, she says, no, just no. I'm not a morning person, and it takes me three cups of coffee to feel human. My best work is always late morning, early afternoon. And uh, I, I just thought that was great because there are a lot of people that feel that way. You know, there are people that um, I think Michael Hyatt says something about slay your dragons before breakfast and the rest of your day goes really well. And again, this is great advice. But if your biological clock says, uh, as Jill says, no, just no, uh, and you can't focus your uh, to work on something really challenging first thing, 
then you need to know that about yourself. It's a great thing if you do that because you get that satisfaction and that energy boost that comes from knocking the beast off your to-do list first thing, but you have to know yourself. If you're not a morning person or if your energy level is higher later in the day and your ability to focus and and really work on something challenging is, is better later in the day, then plan your day accordingly. And that's okay. That rule simply doesn't work for everybody in every situation. Number eight um, is tied back to, you know, being at work. And I hear this a lot. Block out times in your day when you turn off your phone and your email and close your door so you can work without interruption. Again, this is great advice and I actually recommend this if you can do it, but it doesn't work for everybody. If you have a job that requires you to be available to customers or coworkers, or if you have small children in your care or or something like that, you're not going to have the, you know, the ability necessarily to just close yourself off and, and work without interruption. So again, you have to set realistic expectations. And maybe, you know, there are some things you can do. Can you find somebody to trade time with? Well, where they'll cover those uh, other responsibilities that are distracting you or keeping you from the focused work for a while, and then you'll trade and you'll do the same for them. Maybe that's an answer. Uh, Another alternative maybe is is to do that, but for shorter times, maybe 15 minutes or 20 minutes or a half hour, if you can even do that, you have to work with the situation you're in. And if, if you're listening and you've come up with a, a a solution that works for this, um, in a challenging work or home environment, I'd love to hear what those are. You can uh, share those suggestions in the show notes or in the comments below the show notes. Um, again, at theproductivewoman.com slash 35. Number nine productivity rule, and, and there's, there are books written about this, and, and this rule is don't attend meetings unless there's a clear agenda and a purpose for the meeting and everybody sticks to that agenda. Great idea, great suggestion, but what if you have no control over that? What if you have a job that requires you to attend meetings that other people plan or or don't plan, as the case may be, and you're expected to be there and the meetings are just free-for-alls and they nothing gets done and, and, you know, it feels like a huge waste of time. And it probably is. We've all been at meetings like that. What can you do about that? Well, it, it depends on the situation. Maybe you can talk to the people who run the meetings and perhaps volunteer to put an agenda together, something like that. If you're in a situation where, where you, you know, you can do that by volunteering to help, maybe that would move things in a better direction. Certainly you can try to set an example when, and if you are the one running a meeting by being very well prepared with an agenda that you circulate ahead of time and you start and stop on time and stay on, on topic, uh, you can, you know, worse, worst case scenario. Well, maybe this isn't the worst case scenario, but can you ask your supervisor if you can be excused, if there's no real reason for you to be there, if there's nothing you actually can contribute other than your face 
in, in, you know, in one of the chairs there. And maybe you can put it to your supervisor uh, in terms of, hey, you know, I could be more productive working during that time. Of course, I, I'll be there if you really need me there, but I'd love to be able to get this project done and put that time on that. Sometimes that will help. And I guess the worst case scenario, if, you know, you're stuck going to meetings that, um, just ramble on and on and you really have nothing to contribute. They just want you there. I, you know, take work with you. I've been known to do that. And in fact, a lot of uh, the meetings that I go to, people show up with, you know, documents that they're reviewing and marking and they're listening with one ear. Do I think that's ideal? No, I don't think, I don't think the meeting is productive for that person. And I don't think that our work is particularly productive if we're sort of half listening to a meeting and half working on whatever we're doing, but it's a compromise, I guess. And the final rule that uh, that I came up with to talk about for this episode, the rule, you know, that people talk about for productivity is delegate. Again, great idea, a great concept, something I encourage people to do. But, you know, what if there's nobody you can delegate to? I think of my daughter-in-law who is at home most of the time with her two little boys for long stretches of time while her husband, my uh, our oldest son, who's a submariner in the U.S. Navy, is away at sea. Who's she going to delegate to? It's her and two little boys. I think of junior employees who have no subordinates or assistants and just have people giving them work and nobody to, you know, delegate to downstream. I think of a listener to this podcast who's a physician who, who wrote me an email and and, uh, you know, she's a busy doctor and the head of a department and has many, many responsibilities that I'm sure are things that simply cannot be delegated to anybody else because she's the one with the unique skills and knowledge to do the things that she does. So what, you know, what are the alternatives for those people? You know, if you've got the funds, if you can afford to hire help for specific tasks, consider doing that. If you can't, if you, if you, there's no money to hire, you know, somebody to, there were for years, I had a baby, uh, one of our kids, when he was the first six months of his life, he cried a lot and needed to be held. And ultimately we ended up finding a little bit of money to hire a lady who lived nearby to come in once a week and just sweep the floors and clean the bathrooms. That's all I could afford. I couldn't take, I couldn't afford much time. I could, you know, it took her an hour or something like that. And that made all the difference in the world for me to be able to be calm and sit there with my baby, knowing that for this season, I was spending most of my time tending to him. And I was also at the time homeschooling our, our two older kids. So if you can afford to hire help for some small, you know, some task that you can then get off your plate, consider doing that so that you have the time to do the things that only you can do. If you can't afford to hire somebody, look around maybe for another person to barter or trade services with. You know, for many generations, women have done things like that. Hey, I'll watch your kids on Tuesday afternoons if you'll watch mine on Thursday afternoons. And then we can each have one afternoon to work on a project. Years ago, when our oldest daughter was in preschool and I had a baby at home, I um, worked out an arrangement with a friend who also had a child going to the same preschool. She would pick up 
Rachel and take the two kids to preschool in the morning, and then I would go pick them both up in the at the end of the preschool time. So we didn't both have to make the trip. There are things you can do sometimes if you have people around that you can find to to trade that time with and help each other out. If there's nobody like that, maybe for this season, you simply need to take a hard look at your activities and cut them to the bone. It, it becomes, it's hard to do. We want to, you know, there are all these things we want to do with our life, but this becomes a mental health issue. Nobody can do it all, at least not indefinitely. So sometimes for some period of time, especially if we've got no help around to help with the load, we simply have to set some things aside. So those were the, the 10 productivity rules that I came up with that, that don't work, at least don't always work. Great ideas, every last one of them, but sometimes they don't work and we have to get creative and come up with, with another way. So what do you think? Do, do, do you have any suggestions for dealing with any of these rules, any ways that you've, workarounds that you've come up with? Do you have some things I didn't think of or, or are there other productivity rules that, that this has reminded you of that don't work for you? I'd love to hear from you. So please feel free to, to share your thoughts, ask your questions, make your suggestions by going to theproductivewoman.com slash 35 and scroll down to the comments section there. You can also share your thoughts uh, on Facebook, on, uh, find the Productive Woman's Facebook page and post it there. I'm always in monitoring that and we'll respond to it. Or if you want to share your thoughts with me privately, please feel free to email me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com or you can leave a voice message by going to the website or to the Facebook page and look for the voice message button. A couple of things as we get ready to wrap up. As always, I want to ask if if you're enjoying the podcast, if you think it's worthwhile, I would I would so appreciate it if you would consider rating and reviewing The Productive Woman uh, in iTunes or in Stitcher. There are links to subscribe or to rate and review in the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 35. And leaving a, a review and a rating like that does two things. It helps for whatever, however Apple or Stitcher looks at these things, it helps them decide that this is a podcast worth other people knowing about. So people will see it, you know, they, they'll promote it a little more. But even more important, as far as I'm concerned, is that your feedback is critical for me in, or, in order to know whether I'm on track and whether what I'm doing here is of any use to you. So, you know, if you think I suck, I'd rather you sent me a private email at feedback at theproductivewoman.com and I will try and, and get better so I don't suck. But if you like the show or you have some constructive suggestions, I, I'd love it if you'd consider rating and reviewing the show. Before we wrap up, I do want to say a quick thank you to the sponsor for this episode, and that is, again, Doodle, which is an online scheduling service. Now, if you ever, as part of your job or just you know running a household, ever have to schedule a meeting or a get-together with a group of people, you know how 
aggravating and time-consuming that can be because you send out an email or a text to everybody and say, hey, let's plan this thing and I suggest this time and half of them don't respond or, you know, three of them, yeah, that time works for me, but there's somebody that it doesn't work, but they suggest something else and you just go back and forth and back and forth. Doodle solves that problem. This is an online scheduling tool that makes it easy to schedule a meeting with a group of people. I'm one of 24 million people who use Doodle each month to save time and schedule all kinds of events, including guests on this show. And you can be one of those people too. You don't have to register to use it. Getting started is very simple. To schedule a meeting, you simply uh, select some possible dates and times, and, and you do that by clicking on a sort of a calendar thing on the site there, and it selects them and puts them kind of in a, a little option chart. And then you enter the emails of the people that, you, that are going to be involved, and it sends out an, a little invitation to them to come back. A link they click on can come in and, and click which ones uh, work for them. And then you can go there, and with one look, you can see, okay, everybody's responded, and these options were out there, and these two work for everybody, so I'll pick one of those. It's really simple, really quick, a, a great way to schedule these meetings. Doodle can be used to schedule business meetings, holiday parties, dinner with a group of friends, a a golf outing, anything. The basic scheduling service is free. They also offer a free personal scheduling profile called Meet Me that's definitely worth a look. Premium Doodle is available starting at only $39 a year, and it offers some additional features such as calendar integration, automatic reminders, and a lot more. Really very cool. You can get started for free by visiting the website and be sure to check out their iPhone and Android apps um, because they're really useful too. And they tell me they'll be launching new apps here in April 2015, so watch for those. Scheduling does not have to be a pain. You can make it an enjoyable and simple experience with Doodle. Learn more at theproductivewoman.com doodle. And thank you to Doodle for supporting The Productive Woman. One last note, thank you to all of those of you who voted for The Productive Woman and the other Noodle Mix podcasts that were finalists in the 10th annual, or are finalists in the 10th annual podcast awards. As I'm recording this uh, in late March of 2015, voting just closed yesterday, and we will learn in a couple weeks who the winners are. There's a link in the show notes where you can go to actually watch the awards live online. Uh, Whether win or lose, I I am honored to have been a finalist, and I thank you for your support in this. Those of you who voted and, and, and got us to the point of being a finalist, it means the world to me. So thank you very much. And that, my friends, is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you found something in it that is useful to you. I look so much forward to hearing from you and to talking with you again soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed 
at noodle.mx.